Blog Talk Radio. Because 
um, it is uh, it's significant. There was a there was a lynching in 1981 of Michael Bell, and the perpetrators of those lynching one you know people don't people don't know a lot of times that lynchings were that recent that they were actually documented that recently. There have been others. Um, I argue more recently, but that's the last documented lynching was in 1981. And those perpetrators looking went looking out for a black man, um, woman, or teenager, and they found Michael Donald, who was 19. And so um, there were probably uh, two to 300 um, women who were lynched, um, and there were children as well. And so um, Laura Nelson was lynched in Okama, Oklahoma, uh, she was lynched across from her 14-year-old son. Um, and so it's really important that to um, to share those stories because you then understand that this is um, all of our history um, and that it is uh, tra- trauma that um, includes everyone and that we all have a responsibility to address it, to understand it, and then use that information to um, work towards... Um, work towards solutions for racial violence today and the racial terrorism that's going on today. Wow. So those, you said two to 300, correct? Yeah. Yeah. There was, I haven't done the the research, um, but I have uh, read on it and, and um, read about it and studied it. And it's probably been about three or four years ago. So the numbers are foggy to me, but it it feels, uh, it was definitely a couple hundred and it may have been in in the 300s. Wow. But uh, Mm -hmm. I mean, is there a particular time frame that that two to three hundred were yeah. lynched like it, and how how long is yeah. that time frame? Yeah. So the the film, we I started off covering. So we started in three communities, right? And so I started off covering this um, a little less than a century period from about eighteen eighty four to nineteen sixty eight, and so that's that time frame. Those numbers come from that time frame, but um, I've since started to look at uh, the greater continuum and particularly bringing it to the present um, and bringing it to racial violence that's going on today. And um, one of the communities that we're that we're um, filming in is Monroe, Georgia, and it's like half an hour outside of Atlanta. And in Monroe two couples, so that's two men and two women, were lynched in 1946. Um, Mm -hmm. And so those are, that's an example of two women uh, who were lynched. Um, And uh, it happened, and Mary Turner um, was lynched, and she was lynched coming after coming to retrieve the body of her husband, who was lynched. And so um, women were the victims, um, men overwhelmingly, but it's, it's all of our narrative. And then what that does is it brings in um, young people like your daughters, um, young people um, who uh, don't otherwise see themselves in the narrative, it gives them ownership, and it's ownership of not just the trauma, but ownership of the understanding of um, what we as a people have had to um, to build community around despite of, despite you know despite that terrorism, what we've had to live with, and then it's empowering to know, to own your story, and then tell your story. Um, It's been for me anyway. It's very empowering to be able to tell your story and then use that to find solutions. And so um, I think it's an important part of the narrative. Indeed, indeed. So what what was your your reasoning or what was the the stimulus for you actually starting this project? 
Yeah. yeah I, 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 before before we get that, I want to clarify something about the, the communities. I think that will help give you a little bit of context. Okay. So I had mentioned the 1946 lynching in Monroe. Um, the In that community, they have reenacted that lynching every year um, on the grounds where the violence happened. So they wow. move from spot to spot. Yeah, so they start um, at the jailhouse. They start at the courthouse. Um, and then they move to the bridge, the Moorsford Bridge, where that lynching happened, and they reenact that there. Um, and it's a um, it's a multiracial group of people that do that. Um, and the reason why they do that is because they want to make sure that people never forget the victims. Um, May Murray, um, George uh, Dorsey, Roger Malcolm, and Dorothy Malcolm. They want to make sure that they're never forgotten and to bring some of the perpetrators that they believe are still living in that community to justice. Because, again, this isn't, um, this isn't ancient history. None of it right. is, is irrelevant that this happened in 1946. So um, they believe some of the perpetrators are still living there. And so they've been doing that for 10 or 11 years now. Um, the other community that I'm filming is in is in Lawrence, South Carolina, where Reverend David Kennedy, who's a black minister, um, has been fighting to close down a um, redneck shop, and it's euphemistically called a redneck shop. It's mm. actually more accurately called a KKK store, because wow. in that store, in the middle of downtown, they sell Klan robes, neo-Nazi memorabilia, Confederate knickknacks, um, and they sold them for years with impunity. Um, and so Reverend Kennedy fought to close that store down for 17 years, and in 2013, he became the owner of that store. Door and I called him up. I thought it was a fascinating story, and the conversation just kept touching on things of the film until um, he uh, finally revealed that his great uncle, Richard Puckett, was lynched in Lawrence um, in a town of 4,000 people. 2,000 people came out to watch the lynching of his great uncle. No one talks about it. It's not in the, it's not in the, the community's history and the city's history. So no one's acknowledging that, right? So, so it was an ideal opportunity to talk about what happens when there's this pervasive denial around lynching um, with an event that's so seminal to such a large part. It it's, it's, uh, impacts everyone in the community, but that so many people came out to watch that lynching means that it was the impact and the trauma was pervasive. Even when you came out to cheer, you had to go back home. And you had to live with that. And so what are those things that, that come out? So it's a great opportunity to show what happens around denial in terms of um, uh, the subtleties that go on with racism uh, today, but also, you know, the overt things that pop up like a KKK store or a redneck shop in your town. So that's one of the storylines. The other, the other storyline is in Duluth, Minnesota, where they erected a memorial to lynching victims in 1993. It was the first memorial to lynching victims. It was this beautiful um, facade that is uh, covers about a half block in the middle of downtown Duluth. Um, in Duluth, three men uh, were lynched. Uh, there were three circus workers. And so the film centers around that effort, like what some of the work that you can do towards justice that then makes it possible to move towards reconciliation. And so you see... Um, Warren Reed, whose great-grandfather, um, he found out he discovered his great-grandfather instigated that lynching. Um, Warren went on to research it and write a book called The Lyncher and Me. You can see him meeting in the film with Don Clariet, who's Did you say The Lyncher and Me? The name of the book is The Lyncher and Me. And it's, wow. it's, 
Yeah, yeah, and it, it's really powerful. If you get a chance, it's it's available, um, and I believe it's available on Amazon. Um, it's uh, Warren Reed, and so he he does the hard work of examining what that has to do with his identity, what that means about who he is, what are those things that his um, great-grandfather passed along, this beloved member of his family member, this beloved member of his family that was kind of a patriarch, so very influential. What? So he took the time to examine, one, the facts and the history to know what went on, but also what that has to do with who he is as a person. Um, and... And that's powerful. And so the film shows him meeting with Don Clariette, whose cousin was one of the victims, and Mike Tuscan, whose great aunt falsely accused them of rape um, because the lynching came out of this false accusation. Um, and they they rounded up six circus workers, six black circus workers, and ended up lynching three of them. Um, and so you get to see in the film these three men coming together to unpack all of that because they all, it was, it was family secrets for all of them. And so um, Mike Tuscan had never talked about it before we had, uh, before we filmed with him and they had that conversation, even though he was the chief of police in Duluth. Um, and even though he had never stepped on the, the site of the memorial, he always avoided it, but he's the chief of police and it's in the middle of downtown. Um, so it's a great way to show, their story is a great way to show what reconciliation can look like. Um, once you've done the work um, uh, to repair the damage and once you've um, begun to address it. And that's also an ongoing process. And then the fourth community that we're filming in, we started filming after, very recently, after we had kind of um, identified those three stories as important. Um, and in 2014, I found out that um, Lennon Lacey, who's a 17-year-old, he was found hanging from a swing set in Bladenboro, North Carolina. The police, uh, the local authorities, quickly um, ruled it a suicide, but his mom um, believes that he was lynched, um, his mom, Claudia. And so the film is about her story and her search for justice and how that impacts the community. Lennon was found with um, someone else's shoes on, he was hung from his swing set, and there was no object for him to propel himself from, which made it questionable as to how he could do that. Right. Lennon was also dating a 32-year-old white woman. And so for me, um, that, really, uh, that really argues for the fact that it's important that people consider that, uh, that, that that history is considered, that that people really acknowledge racial terrorism uh, it's important on such a concrete level that that can then be um, a factor in the investigation instead of the case being dismissed. Um, for me, that's the important angle, in addition to just finding out who did it, is that they have a right to insist that that be considered, that it's a possible lynching and that that not be dismissed. Yeah, so those are the essential, those are the essential storylines. And you're traveling from, or you've traveled from community to community to do interviews mm -hmm. and go to the site yeah. and things of that nature. Yes, yes, okay. yeah. And we've we've been in we've been in. Um, I filmed in probably four or five more communities over the five years. And even though they will not, or you know, they may show up, we haven't. Uh, we're still in production. We haven't. We're finishing up filming, and we haven't yet begun editing um, in earnest to finish the film. Um, so we're not quite sure about where the final story will land, but um, 
uh, so there are communities all over the country, um, uh, and I've been talking with people all over the country with different stories around lynchings, and so they, you know, um, we've narrowed it down to four. Okay, okay. So to that point, you know, going from place to place, it must be expensive. Do you, um, are, are you accepting donations? Do you have a a a a, a rich uncle or something something like that who's underwriting <laughs> this? Well, what's going on with that? Yeah, that would be that would be great, or you know, a, a credit card of my own to use. But no, we, we're getting funding and we're getting support. We're getting um, we've gotten grant funding, but we're at this place where um, we need to go back and film in Blatonboro, North Carolina specifically. And over the summer, I'm here and I I'm living in Pensacola, Florida, but I'm here in um, Wilmington, North Carolina, which is an hour away, doing an artist-in-residency with Kukaloris, this wonderful organization that brought me here so that I can um, get the work done over the summer that I need to do on the film, one of which is to go back and film with Claudia and people in Blatonboro and really uncover that story. And so we're in fundraising mode right now because um, because this is the summer and we'd like to get get out there next month and do that. And so um, we're looking for donations. We have an online Indiegogo campaign. It's that um, if you go to Indiegogo.com and search always in season, um, then you can find us. And we're taking donations. It, 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 not only um, is it, not only do we just, we need funding, um, but for me it's really important that the people that I'm creating the film for and the audience that I'm building around the film um, support the film because it really is it's your film and I like to tell people all the time is that you're helping us tell our stories when you make a donation so if you go to Indiegogo.com and search Always in Season and that's Indiegogo I-N-D-I-E-G-O-G-O dot com search Always in Season you can make a donation there as little as a dollar um, or as much as you want you can put as many zeros behind it as you like Absolutely. and we're giving away yeah we're giving rewards so you get things like you get a download of the final film um there are all kinds of rewards including we're going to have up there um next week autographed copies of the lyncher and me as well available to um thank you for your donations and so it's a win-win situation and the biggest win is that we get to bring the film to you Absolutely absolutely mm-hmm. so um didn't you have a um an event last night I did. Yeah, it was great. We had a um a screening here in Wilmington um at the Cape Fear Museum and the house was packed every every um uh, essentially every seat was taken and um and I love to do screenings because like I said, for me so the the idea, the intention that the film broadcast on television and I want I'm really interested in a television broadcast because I want it to reach as many people as possible and we don't all always come out to the theater um, but you know we, we can turn on television particularly public television that's free and so because um, community engagement is so important to me when we have these screenings I'm just really excited and really excited to find out how the film is useful so we screened um, a 40 minute cut of the film that we have now Got lots of great feedback, um, lots of comments, and um, and Claudia Lacey was able to comment so she saw the film for the first time okay. and was really and how moved did she by react it. To that? She was she was really moved. She um, she appreciated appreciated it. She loved that we were doing it. She um, was really taken by the way. I, I've been really careful 
careful about all the stories, but particularly her story because the trauma is so fresh because it was her baby and it just happened. Um, so I'm really careful about that. And so I, I felt really good about the fact that she felt like we captured um, the essence of her story, her, her child's story and who she is and who Lennon um, was and, and, that, and, and that and confident that we're going to continue to be able to do that um, in a way that really serves um, his memory. And so it was it was a beautiful event and, and I appreciated everybody coming out. Okay, okay, that's great. That's great. We need to have some more of those events. Yeah, I I'd like to. I'm gonna we just so our campaign, uh our, our fundraising campaign we just extended until August seventh. So you have until August seventh to donate and during that time, um I'm planning to schedule more screenings, so That's great. That's definitely, great. definitely. Now in in recent history not going back two, three years, there have been other lynchings or mysterious deaths, let's call them, because, you know, mm-hmm. they're, they're classified as suicides or, or things of that nature. Are, are you listening sure. to to some of those recent ones also? Well, Lennon yeah. is recent, and so that's our, that's our look at it. You know, it, it's always a, a tough decision about how you could, because we could make a, a series, a mini-series um, right. about this. Um, so, uh the way that we're going to address that is through Lennon, Lennon Lacey's story. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So this project, you said, has been five years in the making. Yeah, it's been five years in the making. Mm-hmm. I developed <laughs> it for about a year and a half before I started even filming. And and during the filming, um, what are some of the roadblocks that you've encountered in this five years? Um. Probably the biggest roadblock is money, like just being able to to move forward in a way that we like um, in in the time that we like. Um, One of the blessings about that, though, because I I feel like everything comes in its time, and and I I really feel like this is the time for the film, that people are starting to open up. You know, the worst thing about it, there are just horrible things about what's been going on um, in the last year and a half or so around police um, shootings around right. uh, vigilante shootings and all of this racial violence and uh, the, the um, shootings in Charleston, the burning of the churches. Um, that's not new. Um, but not what all. is new in the last year and a half? Yeah. What is new is that people, I feel like people are starting to wake up to that, which means then that when I have conversations about the project, if I had them, when I had them two years ago, three years ago, um, a lot of people, black, white, and otherwise, would say, well, you know, what does this have to do with me? Uh, but now people get it immediately, which is exciting. So I feel like this is the time for the film. Um, and so, which is why I'm really, really pushing in terms of the fundraising, um, because this is this is really the time to tell these stories and to help inform the national dialogue um, that's going on now, um, and that'll be continuing because it's a long term. It's 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 a complicated um, issue, racial justice, and so it'll be going on for a long time. And I want the film to be part of the dialogue um, that uh, gives people examples through the stories of the people in the film about where solutions can come from. Um, and so I feel like it's the time for the film. So the hardest thing has been, you know, just funding, getting the funding when we need it, and 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 it's a it's a challenge. Uh, like with a lot of filmmakers and a lot of films, it's a challenge. Right. Well, you know, one of the things that we spoke about previously that interests me mm-hmm. 
is like the investigative steps you've taken. Like, how do you mm-hmm. come across this information? Where do you go to get your information? Is it like looking at uh, periodicals and, and like micro mm-hmm. things of that nature? Do you go to like City mm-hmm. Hall and check the records? Like, where do you go to get this information? Yeah, well, I did, I, so I did um, most of the heavy research ongoing. I'm always um, researching and finding out things. I did most of the heavy research the first year and a half, and so um, I would go to national archives, and so I've gone to the Smithsonian um, to their archives. I also um, uh, read a lot, and so I'm uh, reading other people's research on lynching, and um, that reading and that um, studying uh, and um, exploring led me to a lot of the academicians, a lot of the scholars who wrote about lynching. And so for the project, there's, we have an advisory board of the top uh, 20 to 21 scholars on lynching. Um, and so they help inform. Uh, they, you know, I can, I can then contact them if I have a question about the history. Um, uh, there's a, um, there are scholars um uh Beck, uh E uh Woody Beck and um Tolne um and Dr. Um uh Stewart who are responsible for even for us even knowing the numbers of um wow. lynchings that were out there. So they were the people who were documenting them early, who went to um census information and um are compiling them. And then so part of the part of the money that will Part of what we'll do with the money that we're raising right now, in addition to filming in Bladenboro, is to film with the Equal Justice Initiative. Have you heard of the Equal Justice Initiative? It's directed by Brian Stevenson. No, I have not. Yeah, it's this. It's this. I, I just heard about it recently, like probably a year ago, is when I saw Brian Stevenson give a TED talk, TED talk. So if you if you guys don't know him or haven't seen him, it's really a dynamic speaker doing incredibly work. So I saw him on TED, and I thought, wow, a lot of what he's talking about, again, is touching on the themes of the film. I, I, I'm wondering if his, you know, if his work might be connected to the story, but I hadn't had time to follow up. And then I saw, um, and, to, and Brian Stevenson is a um, uh, an attorney who's done some amazing civil rights work. And so part of the work that he does is around mass incarceration. And mm-hmm. so um, he... Uh, is directing the Equal Justice Initiative, and they just re- released a report on lynching called Lynching in America that documents the terrorism, um, that really spells it out, and that also um, connects it directly to um, uh, correct connects mass incarceration and the current racial violence that's going on right now, um, and a lot of the issues around institutional racism. He co- connects it directly to lynching and to slavery. And so he draws a direct line from that history to the present. And I think that's so valuable because, you know, we feel it, but very few people have spoken to it. And and that that report, also lynching in America, it also, um, he, in it, he identifies, uh, through the help of those scholars, 700 previously unreported lynching, undocumented lynchings. And so the number is even higher. Um, And uh, the scholars have always said that, the, the number is probably underreported because those are the number of reported lynchings, right? And that there were about 5,000 lynchings during that time period, an overwhelming majority of them African-American, of the victims were African-American. They were lynched with unparalleled brutality. And so often um, a victim wasn't just um, hanged. He was 
there was a I was filming with a woman, Doria Johnson, whose great grandfather was beaten, stabbed, hanged, and then shot two hundred times. Um and that was not necessarily unique. Um and so um that report details that and then connects it to uh, the levels of mass incarceration of people of color that are going on now. And so we plan to film with Brian Stevenson. He's, they're also, uh, this is quite remarkable, is that they're also planning to erect memorials in every city where lynchings happen. So it's really remarkable and, and controversial. And so we definitely want to be there filming with them. Absolutely. I mean, the point you just made about the gentleman being shot 200 times, stabbed, beaten, I would assume mm-hmm. that these stories, you know, in our culture, we have a, a, a great oral history. So mm-hmm. I, I would think that some of these stories wouldn't be documented. You would have to actually talk to some of the elderly, some of our, you know, yeah. older people in our communities, and they would be able to tell us things that aren't in the paper or aren't documented. Have right. you ran into that right. a lot? Yeah. Well, in, in Monroe in particular, where they do the reenactments, one of the most um, um disputed uh, parts of the reenactment is people say they reenact. Um, part of the story is that um, uh, Dorothy Malcolm was pregnant and right. they reenact that the baby was cut out of her stomach. And so people take great issue with that because they say that there's no documentation of that. But they argue that um, that, that would not have been documented when the coroner came to pick up the bodies. Um, that would not have been documented in journalists who often – um, would be complicit in the denial by telling people in uh, a newspaper article not to speak about a lynching. They wouldn't have documented that as well. But they have done. Um, Bobby Howard, who's uh, a beautiful man who has had has been working for over 50 years to um, bring the perpetrators to justice in that case. Um, he did oral uh, oral histories and interviews. Um, with folks and with family members of um, all of the victims, including Dorothy, who say that she was pregnant and that that happened. Okay. So, you know, this is a lunchtime interview, and we don't want to go yeah. too much over time. But, I, sure. I mean, I have a million questions I want to ask you. So so maybe we yeah, can yeah. have to, you know, do this at a later time. But I'm before we that. go any further, um, let the people know where they can donate to one more time. Yeah, so it's it so the name of the film is called Always in Season and you can go to indiegogo.com that's i n d i e g o g o.com and search Always in Season and you'll find us up there and again it it really it's meaningful for people to support. So if you only have a dollar, I'm good with that. If you'd like to put more zeros behind that, I'm great with that. Um, but you you can donate there at Indiegogo.com, and we have rewards for you in addition to your donations just to thank you. Indeed, indeed. Also, this isn't the only thing that you've done. You have other projects, correct? Yeah, I have um, some projects uh, that I'm developing, different areas of development. I made a film called um, – this is my first uh, project as an independent producer. And so I co-directed and co-produced a film called Black Tar Roots um, about a group of teenagers from Atlanta who traveled to Ghana in search of their connection to Africa. So it's this great journey film, um, and you get to see how their identity evolves, how their esteem esteem increases um, as they get a better understanding of who they are. Mm, That sounds interesting. 
Okay, okay. Yeah. Can't, can't wait to see that one. Yeah, it's it's actually it's been um, it broadcast. I made it, finished it as a graduate student in 2007, and so it broadcast on PBS, PBS in 2009. And what's the name of it again? It's called Black to Our Roots. Black to Our Roots. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, okay. Now i got to look something up. I guess that will be dinner tonight. Good, good. So, again. Yeah, it's... It, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, a journey. You, there's nothing better than a journey film, um, and being transported uh, with with people that that are um, compelling in terms of their story. Okay, absolutely, absolutely. So again, I want to thank you because you know things like this get me so excited. You know, to to not that people are killed, <laughs> but that mm-hmm. we are shedding light on a dark corner of our history and of our nation. You know, to to let people know that these things that normally you think of men, as you said, but to know that mm-hmm. our sisters too are, are, are killed violently and and they could care less about us, um, we need to bring that to the light. So I so I salute you for that, sister. I appreciate that. Thank you, Ron. And you know, this these stories are difficult, but I tell people all the time that they're inspiring, and so it excites me yeah. to be able to bring them to people because they're transformative and they give us like a they shine a light on what we can do to make a difference and really to find solutions because it really is about um, finding, uh, addressing the history and and repair about the history, also addressing what's going on in the present and and understanding that connection between the terrorism of the past and the racial violence that's going on today. Absolutely, absolutely. So so thank you. Thank you. I appreciate appreciate the um, opportunity. Not a problem, and, and, and as we spoke about before, there's going to be other things that we'll do in the future. So, I mean, yes, this isn't the end of it. So, Yeah, this, this, the support means everything, and I'm I'm looking forward to, to bringing problem. it to, to people even more. Do you have any final words you want to give to the audience today? I don't. I just want to say um, that uh, a large part of the film is about people starting to think about um, where their family stories intersect with this history. Um, and understanding that in all likelihood where you live or where you grew up, there was a lynching, um, and so that this impacts all of us. Um, And then to start looking at how tackling these dialogues, um, how you can – how you can then start to tackle uh, and sit down and talk about and dialogue about and then work on issues of racial justice. I also want to say that you can see a trailer of the film because, you know, I can talk about it, but there's nothing more effective than actually seeing um, the video. There's a trailer on the film on Indiegogo as well. There's clips from Blatantboro, um, all kinds of information about the film. So check it out. Absolutely. So, again, I mean, not only did you bring us this this piece of work always in season, you have the uh, – Back to Our Roots, uh, you, you edified us about the Equal Justice Initiative, and you used mm-hmm. words like academician. I mean, come on. <laughs> this is beautiful. Good, so, good. Thank you, Jackie, for being with us today. And um, everybody, go donate. Go look on uh, Indiegogo at the, at the clips, the trailers, and um, we'll be back to talk to you all at a later date. Everybody have a good day, and um, enjoy your lunch. <laughs>